Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more? My question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to be a new IPO. And provides unbiased answers. I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers. Invest Talk across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, March 31st, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. And yep, that is the end of the quarter. We are through the first trading quarter of the year. And I'm Justin Klein, and I'm excited for this hour to look back on the first quarter and give you some perspective and some data that will help you make good decisions with your money. I want to hear your finance and investment questions, and I'm here to give you my unbiased answers using my 20-plus years of investment experience and a lot of data sitting in front of me. So you need to put together a long-term strategy, and you need to apply it as well. That's how you become successful. That's That's how you reach your ultimate goal. Goals. Probably more than one. Now, Steve and I have always told you that the market can be volatile, can be unpredictable. But with volatility comes opportunity, and you need to be ready to act. So we want uh, you, you want better performance and better outcomes. And that's what the show is all about, is giving you the tools to execute uh, the, the right strategy and get those better outcomes. So I'm going to operate as always in my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. So that's my assurance to you that no matter what I'm talking about, the market as a whole, the uh, a process explanation, a particular stock, a particular sector, a strategy, I'm here to present it all without bias, just to give you the facts. So I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions, and you get to shape this show to your liking. So I Reach out to me right now during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time, or you can leave a question on our anytime voice bank. Either way, the number never changes. It's 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, this is Zach in Michigan. I was calling about Southern Company, ticker symbol SO. I was just curious what you guys thought about it. I own a small position and plan to keep buying it for the next several years. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right, Southern Company, this is one of the largest utility companies in the world. And what's interesting about the utility space as of late is usually higher interest rate, or sorry, yeah, higher interest rates, that's usually negative for the space. But uh, it hasn't been as more and more people, it's been, it's been counteracted by more people being worried about a recession, slower uh, economy, which we've definitely seen that, slower economic environment and, and data. So uh, this is 
this is rallied strongly. Um, now it is a bit overvalued, and I do think longer term. This isn't a great long term entry point. I will say that, uh, but it's a very, very good, uh, very good utility. Now our fair value is closer to the mid sixties, and now it's in the low seventies. So hmm, modestly overvalued, ten percent or so. But in the utility space, where there's not a lot of volatility, ten percent can kind of be a lot. So I like that it's on your radar. And it's going to do well, I think, in the near term as the economies continue to slow. But from a long term, 10 plus years perspective, you're probably going to find a better entry point uh, when utilities are more out of favor. Okay, so that's the distillation of Southern Company 60. Let's see, what's the market with that? $76 billion, definitely one of the largest out there. Nice 3.6% yield. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Mortgage refinance demand plunges 60% as rates hit their highest level since 2018. Now, in addition to rising mortgage rates, home buyers face high sky prices and record low supply. So we're going to look at what is happening in that market on the borrowing side, right, the demand side, but I'm also going to look at the supply side, meaning the supply of loans and how banks are compensating for the lower demand. We're going to look at that. Also, the is bipartisan bill in uh, in Congress going through retirements plans, uh, and that there's some changes in the offing there. And then, lastly, the IPO playbook and how that is changing. Okay. So that's, uh, that's what's on my docket today. But let's look at the market. S&P down 72 points, one and three quarters percent. Near, definitely closed near the low and was uh, a week close to the quarter overall. So it was a down quarter, first down quarter in, I forget how many, since since, 2000, since 2020. And uh, this is, this is, I wouldn't say it's worrisome, but it's something to take note. You always want to look at month-end closes, quarter-end closes, uh, and the the month-end wasn't too bad, but the quarter-end uh, definitely was. The month had a little bit of a bounce, but the quarter-end, that was uh, below some uh, some support, but not major support. So we still have, the bears still have work to do, let's just say that. Uh, if they want to turn this into a bear market. And remember what I said about the yield curve inversion on Monday is that, yes, um, yield curves inverted. Is that signaling where the recession is probably uh, closer to the, through the windshield than in the rearview mirror? Yeah, probably. Um, but in many markets, S&P has rallied 20 30% after that, before it finally peaked. So don't think this is the death knell of the market, especially in the near term. Now we're moving into a break and the good, this is a good time for you to get to the phone and give me a call with your finance and investment question on Best Talk at 888-99-CHART. No two investors have an identical portfolio. 
So each investor will have different questions. I guess I'm wondering how I should kind of diversify. If the questions specific to your portfolio aren't being asked, your situation is not addressed. And I wanted your thoughts on the cannabis market. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein take Invest Talk listener questions each weekday during the program live stream in the 4 to 5 p.m. hour Pacific time. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes, so your questions are always welcome. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. You have the right to remain silent, but why would you when anything you ask will be used to help you create your financial freedom? I think it'll probably go higher. And so I would keep a tight stop on it. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888 99Chart. Invest Talk is always made better when our listeners contribute their questions. So tell your friends and family members they can interact in real time with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein during the Invest Talk live stream program between 4 and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Or they can leave their questions anytime 24 7 in the Invest Talk Voice Bank. 888 99 Chart. Hello, Justin or Steve. I'd love to have your thoughts on Texas Instrument, TXN. It's been pretty volatile. I saw an article saying it was an interesting stock to look at back in December when it was at 188. It dropped down to 162, and it spiked recently up to 172. Um, But a lot of analysts are saying it's a good stock to look at, even at 172. So, can you let me know what you think of it and at what price you might think it's a stock worth considering? Thank you so much. All right, looking at Texas Instruments, and this is one of the, the main domestic suppliers of chip production here in the U.S., and they make analog integrated circuits and embedded processors used in personal electronic devices. Uh, so this was years ago. The the first big chip uh, manufacturing company and generates over, over 95% of its revenue from semiconductors. Um, it also produces calculators as well. If we look at those and it's the world's largest maker of analogs, analog chips. Uh, and so and this is used in processing sound power, kind of your basic uh, chips that are, that are put into to products, not the more complicated microprocessors, et cetera. Now the good, you know, it sounds kind of boring, but in reality, it's a very, very good, consistent business, and their cash flow is very strong. Trailing twelve months, cash free cash flow about six billion dollars, six point two billion, one hundred seventy billion dollar market cap, and earnings are expected to be all time high of nine dollars and thirty two cents this year, which puts forward looking earnings about twenty times multiple. Uh, so, I would say that it is modestly overvalued, though. Our fair value is closer to 170 and it's at 187 today. It's on my watch list. It has been on my watch list to purchase, but it needs to be just at a better multiple. It's probably over earning a bit, to be honest with you. And it's enterprise value to EBITDA right now is 17 times, which is over the last decade or so uh, on the higher end of where it typically trades. Typically trades closer to 10 to 12 times. And that's where I'd want to own it. So, I'm look, uh, we're looking at the technicals, and you go to a weekly chart. Uh, our, our, we're looking for a pullback probably into the 145 at minimum, 
and then 133 or so, that is big, big support. So those are the two levels that we're looking to potentially add Texas Instruments. And so that would be my recommendation for you. Keep on your watch list, very good company, uh, especially as more and more manufacturing is moving here to the US, I think their business is going to benefit. And so fan of Texas Instruments just needs to uh, be a little bit better price. Now we're gonna pivot to an iTunes question. Chris from LA asks, I've been auto investing in VDIGX, VDIGX. This is the Vanguard, Vanguard Dividend Growth uh, Fund. It says, I've been investing in auto investing in VDIGX for a while now, but after listening to your show, I've started to be more hands-on with my portfolio and enjoy it. I was wondering why VDIGX and other dividend investing funds exclude large percentage of top-yielding stocks in their universe. AT&T seems like a great stock to be in that fund, but is it? Why? And the main reason is this is the Vanguard Dividend Growth Fund, and it's focused more on the growth of the dividends than the raw dividend that it's paying. And frankly, I think that's correct. Far too many people chase yield. Far too many people look at the current dividend yield and they think that is the only reason why, the only thing I need to look at. Is that dividend going to be relatively safe in the near term? And, you know, some don't even ask that question, but a lot of people, you know, that's the bare minimum that they, that they look at. And they think that's the way to go. And in reality, the best dividend investors focus on the company and the growth of the company and thus the dividend. If they pay a dividend and their business continues to grow, guess what they're probably going to do? They're probably going to raise that dividend. And therefore, the price is going to go up and you're going to get capital appreciation and you're going to get a better dividend. All of the statistics show it's far more important to have dividend growers than high dividend payers. Because over a decade, if it can consistently grow its dividend 5, 7, 10% per year, in a decade, you're going to that 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 stock that only paid maybe a one and a half, two percent dividend is suddenly based on your original purchase price is going to be yielding seven, eight, ten percent potentially. Okay. So it's a rule of 72. You know what the rule of 72 is? You divide the growth by 72. That's how long it should take to double it. So if the dividend grows at a 7.2% rate, well, in 10 years, it's going to double. And so you're going to get price appreciation, you're going to get a higher dividend, etc. Maybe you can grow its dividend at 10% per year. Well, that's going to double in 7.2 years. AT&T, not really a dividend grower. It's a very low growth business. And that's what they do with their, their cash flow is they pay out a high dividend, maybe buy back some shares. They're not really investing in the business to grow it. So there's your answer. Now let's grab another question from 888-99-CHART. My question's really simple. Is it time to buy on Facebook? Hold off. What's the deal, man? Appreciate it. I'm still not a fan of Facebook. I don't love the pivot to the metaverse. And there are two main platforms, Facebook and Instagram. Well, Facebook's been dying for a long time. 
lower lower user engagements, older audience. It's been in reverse. Instagram has been holding up the business. It was a fantastic acquisition by them years ago. Problem is that TikTok is now leading in growth. And for the first time last quarter, there was some indication that engagement and user growth on Instagram was deteriorating. Not dramatically, but shrinking. And you're not gonna pay a high multiple for that. And then there are other parts of their business, Oculus, Meta Platform, etc. Not exactly encouraging when it comes to profitability and growth. So, no, uh, I'm not a fan of Facebook. Now we're going into a break, and the phone lines are open for you. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, and this is no time to lose focus. So get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Mortgage refinance demand plunges 60% as rates hit their highest level since 2018. And that's the headline, but that's not the end of the story either. Because demand from home buyers is still hanging in for now. Total mortgage application volume decreased 6.8% last week compared to the previous week. And the average 30-year fixed rate mortgage with a conforming loan balance, 647,200 or less, that increased to 4.8% from 4.5 for loans with 20% down. But the downturn in overall mortgage demand was a 15% weekly drop in refinancing activity. And refinances as share of all mortgage activity fell from 44.8 to 40.6. So yes, there was a 60% drop year over year, but a 15% drop week over week. And remember, this is not the majority of the mortgage activity. In fact, mortgage applications to purchase a home, that actually was up 1% week over week. Now down 10% year over year. But you're not seeing that demand destruction on the, the purchase side. Okay. Now, what are banks doing? That's the, that's the demand side. But how are banks adjusting? And the way they are adjusting, actually, is to loosen Credit standards, so mortgage availability rose in February to the highest level since last May. Lenders are expanding product offerings and relaxing some eligibility requirements. And the reason is is because they're trying to make up for shrinking volume on the refinance side and thus reduce profit margin. Now, rising mortgage rates typically reduce lending overall because homeowners, they can't afford the higher payments and it discourages buyers. But the mortgage bankers, they're used to a certain amount of volume, certain amount of profit. And so if your buyer pool and your refinance pool mainly is shrinking a bit, 
then you're going to have to make up for that and try to find ways to fight the other way and expand your buyer pool. And that is to offer other products. Specifically, in this case, jumbo loans. Lenders are increasingly easing minimum credit scores and allowing borrowers to take out larger loans relative to the value of their homes. But this hasn't shifted yet the supply-demand dynamics within the, the, the housing market. Current sales pace, supply of new homes, last month was at 1.6%. Sorry, 1.6 months, excuse me, not percent. That's a record low. That's according to the National Association of Realtors. The median American household would need to devote 34% of its income to cover monthly payments on a medium price home in January. And that's affordability has gotten worse. And that 34% was the highest number since November 2008. So what you're seeing here is lenders are, are trying to fight back. And affordability is absolutely bumping up against resistance. But remember, the housing market is slow. It's not the stock market. You can't sell a house like you can sell stock. And so this is going to be a slow march towards a buyer's market. But it's going to be slow, and it's probably going to take 6, 9, maybe 12 months to get there. Let's go to Wesley in Stockton, looking at S, oh, sorry, FHN, which is First Horizon Corp. You want to are looking to buy it. Looking to buy it, looking to put a regional bank um, to add to my portfolio. It's out of Florida, and Florida's kind of a growth region for, okay. you know, mortgages and such. So um, okay. seeing if this is a good one and if I can uh, start a position. Okay, what happened? Do you know what happened on February 28th? Um, it was an upgrade and also like a merger. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so TD Bank, Toronto Dominion Bank, they're buying First Horizon for $13.4 billion, it looks like. So if you buy this, you're eventually going to be getting, I would assume, some sort of shares. Let's see. All cash transaction. Okay, yeah, never mind. You're just going to get cash. So, oh, yeah, so this, this is, is if a, you're looking at a bank. Someone else found it for me. <laughs> So yeah, there you go. TD Bank uh, bought it, and you could buy it right now, but you're just going to get your cash back, uh, about $25 per share. Yeah, no. Now it's at twenty three fifty. so you're you're kind of betting that this deal will go through. probably will, and no. uh, but it okay. might be six months from now, and, and you're going to get a pretty small return mm -hmm. on your investment. Um, maybe it's worthwhile, but if you're looking to gain exposure to the banking industry, you want to buy a company that hasn't been bought out already. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> thank you for Thank you for telling mm -hmm. me here. No problem. Thanks. That was TD Bank and First Horizon Corp. FHN. Now, the next and best stock, the story behind this headline. The SEC is targeting SPACs with rules on inflated business forecasts and merger disclosures. The SEC says investors deserve the protection they receive from traditional IPOs. That story tomorrow that Steve will get to. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. 
There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hi, this is Logan in Colorado. I'm uh, just looking at two stocks CBS ticker symbol CBS and Walgreens, WBA. If you could give me your thoughts, it looks like they have gone in opposite directions in the past five years. I just wanted your insights on some key financial ratios like return on investment and whatnot. Thank you. All right, looking at CBS and Walgreens, two very similar companies as they both operate uh, drug stores and, and convenience stores, uh, but they've—you're correct—they've gone in in different directions. CBS acquired Aetna in years past and has refocused their business dramatically on on uh, healthcare. They removed cigarettes from their stores and. I've uh, added clinics and uh, into into their uh, into their stores, and their businesses boomed because of it. CVS had six 
point, I call it $6 billion in free cash flow in 2017. Now it's almost $16 billion. So that has dramatically helped. The return on equity is still lower than it was kind of the early 2020, 2010s, um, but it's back on the rise. Now it has higher financial leverage that they have built uh, or put on a little bit of debt in order to buy Aetna and, 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 and uh, reshuffle their business. But I think they've done a pretty good job. Whereas Walgreens, they've gone in reverse. In 2018, they had nearly $7 billion in free cash flow. Trailing 12 months, only $4 billion. And their return on equity has been choppier. I'll say that. Their debt has also gone up as well. Um, but overall, I don't love their the trend of their business compared to CVS. I think CVS is doing a much better job reinventing itself. And the technicals are a lot better. And we own Chevron. Uh, sorry, sorry, not Chevron. Not CVX. This is CVS. Uh, we own, we own um, CVS in our equity income plus our cover call strategy and it's done very very well so we're fans of cvs i give a thumbs up definitely better than walgreens thanks for the call let's pivot to a bill a bipartisan i know this is weird but there is a bipartisan bill that just passed on tuesday by a vote of 414 to 5. And this is building on the the Secure Act that was passed in 2019, and it's all about retirement accounts. And this will allow more Americans to put money in their 401k and leave it there for longer. Now, what are the things that it will allow it to do? First is boosting RMD ages. So right now it's 72 but it would increase it next year to 73, then go to 74 in 2030, and 75 in 2033. So it would help people leave their money untouched for longer. But the big question is, will it force higher RMDs later in life? And because they're, they're taking out more annually and thus higher tax bills. Depends on the person, but that's a potential. And it's only really going to impact about 20% of those that take money out past the age of 72, because 80% of the people subject to RMDs today take out more than their RMD, their minimum. Okay. Now, people age 15 older can contribute an extra 6,500 a year to the 401k style accounts for a total of 27,000. But this legislation would raise that to 10000 a year starting in 2024 for people aged 62, 63, and 64. So really trying to juice that in the, in the last few years of, of working, potentially. And this would also index the extra 1000 that people over 50, right now it's 6000 contribution to an IRA. And if you're over 50, you can uh, there's a catch-up contribution of 1000 Well, that 1000 Catch-up contribution will be indexed to inflation, so that be a, that would be a good thing and increase the amount people can over fifty can contribute. It also allow employers to give employees the option of uh, contribute to a Roth accounts, so really pushing them that way. And it would include automatic enrollment, meaning that it would b- boost 
participation. The goal is to boost participation for minorities. And this would be mandatory starting in 2024 for newly created 401ks and 403b plans. It would exempt employees, uh, sorry, employers with 10 or fewer workers and those in business less than three years. But it would make the vast majority of these retirement accounts automatic. So where you are employed, you're going to be opted in automatically. It also allows plan sponsors to give incentives. So gift cards, cash for signing up. And then match contributions to people that are maybe funneling money into other endeavors. So right now we always say is get your employer match, make sure you're giving their contribution. But what happens if you have money, you, you need to get that money to pay off maybe high interest debt. And now you can, in, in this instance, you'll be able to still get the match, the full match of whatever that might be, but pay off some, some loans at the same time. And then it would also um, force employers to put part-time employees who've worked more than two years and 500 hours, 500 hours a year into 401k plans. So those are kind of the, the main takeaways. I think it'd be great if it is passed. Now let's pivot to an iTunes review question. The Puma 51 says, can you give an evaluation of ticker UVXY? Yes, this is the ProShares Ultra VIX Short-Term Futures ETF. And this is a leveraged vehicle and it's leveraged on futures of the VIX. And so this is not something that you want to hold long-term. This is something that you would simply buy if you think in the short term, there's going to be volatility in the market and you're trying to play the upside, meaning that breakout in, in volatility. And you can see, just go to a longer term chart and it's just a destruction d destroyer of capital, plain and simple. Split adjusted, or reverse split adjusted, shall we say. 2015, it was at $140,400 on average for the year. Its high for that year was $850,250. Remember, split adjusted. Today, it's at $13.46. So this is not something you hold longer term. Week, two weeks max. And so if you're a trader and you want to use it for that, and you think there's going to be some big sort of maybe credit event and disruption on the market, and you want to use it to play that, sure. But beyond that, not something to hold. This is Invest Talk. Sometimes we get long questions from callers and sometimes very short, quick questions. Pay attention. This one will go by in five seconds. Hello. We'd like to get your opinion on Nike. The ticker symbol is NKE. Thank you. All right, looking at Nike, NKE, and this is another of those names on our watch list. However, it's in a downtrend. And as more and more people are spending on services as opposed to physical goods, Nike's uh, profits, I think, are, in de uh, are their, their profits expectations are in decline, especially for next year. And this year only supposed to grow about 5% from last year's earnings. Do you pay 37 times for that amount of profitability? Probably not. So while it's a company I think should be on everyone's watch list, it's very well run in general. It's benefited from the pandemic in a big way. Earnings 
in 2019 were $2.49, dipped in 2020, naturally. Uh, but back to $3.56 last year, $3.73 expected this year. But that's over-earning. Uh, and the technicals look pretty poor. So let me give you a price on support here. 105. It's my level. It's my level on Nike. 105 to pick it up. Now it's at $135 per share. So uh, don't love the technicals. Don't love the value. But at 105, major support. And at least it's in line, back in line with uh, our fair value, which is uh, lower than it is today. Thanks for the call. Now we start the second quarter tomorrow. Yep, tomorrow is April 1st. That's no joke. 2022 is moving right along. So I think it's I think it's time to take a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company KPP Financial, where we operate with the same philosophy as we do on air, which is independent thinking and shared success. We want to bring you along in in our success. And we do that by practicing parallel investing, meaning you or our clients invest right alongside ourselves. Same strategy, same time, same price. So if you need help understanding whether this environment fits your portfolio well or not, well, then I encourage you to reach out for a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. Just send us a message through investtalk.com. Just click on the Invest Talk tab and then portfolio review. Or you can give our office a call at 800-557-5461. No obligations. We'd love to help you in any way. Now, let's, now let me ask you to tell your friends and family about our free Invest Talk downloads. And I encourage you to call with your questions anytime, day or night at 888-99-CHART. Next up, we will take a live call from a listener in Virginia. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin, thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Your rating is a vote of confidence that leads to higher visibility and causes more people to discover and listen to Invest Talk. So please tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Remember to include your brief question when you review and rate on iTunes. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24/7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Eric in Virginia looking at Connect Concentrix Corp, CNXC. Do you own or looking to buy it? Hey, Justin. Um, I bought a little bit recently. Um, my portfolio has uh, only got about 5% growth, so I was trying to up it a little bit. Um, and this one looks like one of the better names to me, but um, it did have earnings recently and dropped on that. So I was just curious what your take on that, if, you know, if this is something I should be looking at. All right. So Concentrix is a technology-enabled company specializing in customer engagement and customer management. Provides end-to-end -end solutions to facilitate communication between clients and their customers. Provides analytics, process optimization. Interesting. Okay. So they had earnings. That's why it is down. And this is a good example of where when you have growth deceleration, 
the stock gets hit pretty dramatically. It's off 20% from its 52-week high. It was consolidating nicely for most of the year. January was a bullish month and was consolidating that move. And the last two days has erased all the gains for the year. And that's because revenue came in up 14%, which is slightly better than previous quarter, which was up 13%. But earnings were only up 24%, down from 44% earnings growth in the third quarter. So that's the issue here is it is its growth is slowing earnings growth is slowing. And did they downgrade downgrade guidance? That's uh, my guess. I have to look at the, the full report here. But hmm, yeah, I don't love the the chart now below the 200 moving average. It still doesn't look particularly cheap to me. Let me look at some of the other metrics here. Enterprise value to EBITDA, 14 times. But once again, the growth is slowing down. And historically, it trades closer to 10 to 12 times. Now we're at 14. So I think there's more downside to come. You know, I, I wouldn't really call it necessarily a growth name. It, it looks like this benefited greatly from the pandemic was earning three dollars and twenty cents in that 2019 and the previous few years were choppy when it came to earnings and in 2020 made six dollars then ten dollars last year so let's make twelve dollars this year thirteen dollars next year yeah i i just don't don't love it i think their uh their growth is slowing and it may be reversing i'm not sure i have to look at that guidance so i'm not a fan of this name thanks for the call 8899 chart, 8892 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We have about nine minutes left. So we're heading into our final break. And after the break, I'm going to touch on the changes in the IPO market and what to expect when IPO market reopens. Probably be later in the year, maybe 2023. But it's going to look very different. Types of companies that come to market, valuations, etc. So I want to touch on that as we continue on Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. We're going to talk to Bobby in Rochester, New York, looking at Home Depot. The owner looking to buy it. Hello. Hey, Bobby. Hi, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, no problem, no problem. You're looking at Home Depot? Yeah, always been interested in the stock. Um, didn't know with its recent uh, decrease in share price if now would be a good time to get in or wait a little bit longer. I would definitely wait a little bit longer. Uh, this is an environment where they definitely benefited from the stay-at-home uh, environment and, and, and people moving and building home offices, just wanting more space in their homes. And rates being low, 
cash out refinances for remodelings were, were very easy. But the as I talked at the top of the show, refinancing is in decline. And so it's it's the money flow from that side is decreasing and the market's reflecting that. So I think this is in it definitely in a downtrend technically. And I think it remains still a bit overvalued. Uh, our value is closer to $250 per share. And honestly, that's where the next major support level is. So until it gets there, I wouldn't touch Home Depot. Great. Thank you for your input. It's always appreciated. No problem. Thanks for giving us a call. Now let's touch a bit on the IPO market. Now, so far this year, just 22 companies have gone public via traditional IPOs, raising about $2.3 billion through Tuesday. And that's a big difference from last year. At this point, last year, 79 companies have gone public, raising $36 billion. So you're talking about, from a dollar standpoint, less than 10% of what we what was raised last year. Now, there's still companies that are looking to go public, but they're a lot different types of companies. And there's tremendous backlog, but it's all about companies that are profitable. And those will be the first companies really out of the gate. Now, those, uh, the, those that are looking to raise $500 million or more and are must-own names in their particular industries, those are the companies that are going to be accepted into the market quickly. Now, Bausch & Lomb is probably the biggest that will probably go public sometime this year, maybe as early as May if uh, the market conditions improve, which you know they, they have recently. So that's certainly a possibility. But the shift towards profitable companies is very different from 2020 and 2021, when it was all about growth ambitions. And those companies have fallen out of favor as interest rates have gone up. Two of the hottest IPOs last year, Rivian and Robinhood, well, they lost billions of dollars since they've gone public. And in the private market, that's starting to be reflected as well. On Friday, Instacart, one of the most talked about potential IPOs, in the pipeline, cut its valuation by 38% to $24 billion. Now, the CEO says they still plan to go public and doesn't change their longer-term plans, but they have to reflect what they see in the public markets. Now, according to Wells Fargo, shares of companies that raised at least $50 million through traditional IPOs last year have fallen 30% on average from their IPO price. But there's a stark difference between those that are profitable and those that are not. Those that are profitable, they're only down 11% on average. Those that are unprofitable, down 46%. So people are looking for safer companies. And heading into this year, that's what uh, that's the big shift. Okay. Now, the good thing for a lot of these private companies is they've, they've been raising capital and they're flush with cash. So they don't need to go to the public market, especially those that are, are profitable. Okay. So that's going to be the big change that you're going to see this year is I think the companies that do go public are going to be a lot more exciting to invest in, frankly, than the past couple of years. And it sound like it and it seemed like it, but I think that's definitely the case. 
I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. And we crossed over the $40 million, $40 million download mark recently, thanks to you. And just a reminder, you can find our Invest Talk podcast anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you leave your question, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.